Hey, DBs, we have a big announcement for you. Boy, do we ever. Since we're out of Disappeared episodes, we have a whole new podcast coming your way. It's called, Joey, say it with me. I, I think, think not. not. That's right, baby. On this new show, we are widening our scope to bring you more true crime stories and more of the campy television that covers them. The trailer for I Think Not is out now in this podcast feed. So go give it a listen, and we'll see you January 4th for our first episode of our new show! Woohoo! But it's the old us. It's just a new yeah, show. Yeah, totally. Well, one of our TikToks went viral. One of our TikToks did go viral. And it was talking about my awful dating life. Yeah, should we talk more about your trauma so we can get more likes and follows and viewers? Let's delve into your past. (laughs) There's the bog of eternal stench that I want to go diving headfirst into. (laughs) The bog of eternal stench! Smell bad! Hello, Yellow Marie Marsh. How are you? Great. Well, by the time you hear this episode, you will have- You will be married to me and pregnant. <laughs> Let's just tell everyone. Could you imagine? I've been joke. I've been- <clears throat> You guys, I've been pretending this whole time. I'm actually straight. Yeah. Ellen and I love each other. We're getting married, and I'm going to impregnate her. Um, anyway, <laughs> hello, down bitches. Okay, y'all. If you're listening to this, you've probably heard that we're winding down, disappeared, and rebranding. So, to begin our farewell, we're bringing you a disappeared special. No, Christopher. Sorry. (laughs) So, we decided to pick a special, a disappeared special, and stay in the world of disappeared. And I wanted to pick the trashiest one, and that is uh, the episode that we're going to talk about. And (laughs) if you saw me and that other girl on tour, you saw this. Uh, and we didn't want to end the series on a low note, so we needed to take this, and there's so much we didn't cover in the live show. Joey, did you see the live show? Your live show? With the other one. No. No, why would you do that? Yeah, I love, it's, I love that you think that I came to your live show. <laughs> <laughs> so we are giving you uh, this bonus, 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 bonus episode. And if you feel like celebrating the holidays with us, please join us on the Patreon You're going to find, I don't know, a million things there to play with. You get your ad-free episodes. You get your close friends. You get all the fun stuff. Yeah, so should we get on to the episode? We're going to give you the bonus, 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 bonus episode. Lauren is lost. A beloved young woman is on a journey home. They said, I'll meet you on the other end, and I'll see you then. But something stops her. I don't remember worrying about it. In retrospect, maybe I should have. And Lauren Garrett vanishes in plain sight. And the detectives were able to go back to the store and get a video. Evidence left behind causes her family and investigators to fear the worst. The family of a swim woman missing for more than a week is worried she may be the victim of foul play. And a community bands together in the search. We're going to send some crews out where the brush gets a little thicker. It total shift of, you know, hoping to find her and see her versus, God, don't let me find anything. A private investigator comes to Washington State. It went from A to B, and then poof, something changed. Then clues emerge that could be linked to Lauren's past. What we just learned is that we have a credible witness. And a suffering family. Hey, 
springs into action. I am sick of saying I don't know. Does she look like this girl right over here? In a desperate attempt to find Lauren. What did you see? What did you hear? We're just trying to find her. I'm just disappointed. She's not with me. Well, let's take a trip, shall we? Yeah. Back to May of 2014 in Squim, Washington. And you all know it. I'm just going to say it. Say Christopher's it. not here. No. It's like Red Rover. It's like we had Christopher, no Christopher. Christopher was back, no Christopher. Yeah. It's chaos. It it's is chaos, chaos. In my heart and in my life and on this show. And on your head. I'm talking about your hair. So we hear about 23. <laughs> See, I got the Lord. The Lord struck my tongue down. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. I didn't know you had a relationship with him. It was a mild evening in Squim, Washington in May 2014 when 23-year-old Lauren Garrett vanished. Lauren was on her way home from a two-month stint at a drug rehab facility north of Seattle the night she went missing. I had marked on the calendar that 60 days was Friday, um, May 2nd. The week before Lauren's release, she and her father, Fred, agreed on a plan for how she would get back to Squim. So Papa Fred is here. I don't like him. I don't like him. He says with, like, zero amount of certainty, he's like, yeah, she was coming home uh, Friday. Fri- <laughs> Friday. And he it's basically like the shrug emoji for, like, 30 yeah. seconds. He's like, I don't know. And he's trying to explain when she was coming home. But she's coming home from two months in rehab. He's like, uh, I can't wait to see you. I love you very much, but not enough to pick you up at rehab. Take a bus to a ferry, to a rickshaw, catch an Uber. I'll see you when I see you. I love you. Good luck with your project. Good luck. Bye. So she was supposed to get in Friday, May the 2nd. But then she. Friday? Is it Friday? Yeah, I think I mean, it was this Friday. Man is, is, this man looks like a... he smoked his shoes that morning. Yeah, he's like, I, I have darts on like, Friday, so I... you're on your own. Yeah. Good luck. So, you know, on Thursday, May 1st, Dad Fred gets a call from Lauren at 7.30, and she's like, surprise, I'm here early. I'm in Port Townsend. Can you come and get me? And he's like, uh, Port Townsend's 24 miles away, and I just put my hungry man in the microwave. Yeah. I'm not coming. Yeah. He's like, no. He's like, you're early? Okay. Great. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. You made it. Look at you. What do you know? Uh, uh catch the bus still. Yeah, I still... <laughs> You still need to catch the bus. Oh, my gosh. I missed you. Dad, can you pick me up? Oh, no, 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 no. 24 miles, you say? Uh, no. He was also like, she has so many friends and other family members. I just figured she'd get a ride. Yeah, he's like, it's fine. It's perfect. And there are so many things about this episode that are not perfect. Well, the problem is, is that he was like, just take the bus home. Well, the bus stopped running. There were no buses that time at night. So he's like, well, I tried to call her back on the phone that she didn't own that belonged to someone else that she borrowed a cell phone from a stranger. Do you know how hard it is to convince someone to (sighs) let them use your phone? Yeah. And uh, he tried calling that person back and this person was like, uh, yeah, I'm not with her anymore, but I saw her cross the street to go to the grocery store, and Fred was like, that seems fine. He's like, yeah, some asshole wouldn't pick her up from rehab. She was, like, pretty upset about it. He's like, oh, oh, really? Was she? One second. Sorry, I'm at darts. What did you say again? I didn't, I didn't catch that. Yeah. So he's like, yeah, some dick dong wouldn't pick her up. She, I saw her go to the grocery store. Yeah. And then he says, oh, dang it, what am I going to do now? 
then they pan to the Safeway, passing by just because their ID and their stoners is this massive four-story fish. <laughs> it's just a fish. It's just a guy driving a truck and a fish. Oh. And in my mind, the ID people were like, we go back. <laughs> we go back. <laughs> you know how we're just using this two-second clip? Put the clip with Keep the fish. Keep that clip in. Keep the clip with the fish. Did you see that big fish? Did you see the big fish? It is a massive, How huge... did I miss that? I don't know. Maybe it... I was still shocked that he didn't go to pick up his own daughter. Although Fred was worried his daughter could be in a vulnerable state, he also knew Lauren had plenty of family and friends she could call for a ride. Later that night, he reached out to Lauren's mother, but she had not heard from Lauren either. I remember thinking... She's a big girl. It's not like she's not been on her own. I just figured, you know, if she didn't call a friend, then, you know, she'd be here in the morning. And I I, I don't remember worrying about it at all. Mama Elena was like, I wasn't worried. She's like, well, she probably called a friend and she'll be here in the morning. Y'all, she just got back from rehab. Yeah. What she needs is to see a family member greeting her saying, we're proud of you. Yeah. Hi. Welcome home. Yeah. And then Papa Fred says, dang it. What am I going to do now? I'm just spitballing, but maybe go pick up your daughter. <laughs> maybe do the thing that you were supposed to do yeah. when she was getting out of rehab. I, I don't know. know. But everyone's like, she's fine. So we get a little backstory on Lauren. She's the youngest of three kids. And her parents divorced when she was very young, like a toddler. And then Mama Elena was remarried to a man named Brett, who came with two young boys. And so their combined family lived in this, like, property that their family inherited. Did you see that house? It's beautiful. It looks like a compound. It's beautiful. It looks like a bed and breakfast. I mean, if I had that, I would never leave it either. It looked like a ski lodge. It's gorgeous. It was huge. What the fuck do you all do? Whatever job you have, I want it. <laughs> And we also know, like, they tell us that Mama Elena came from a very large family. They'd been in Squim for five generations. Can I ask a question? What? Why is Squim spelt with an E in it if they don't pronounce the E? I don't know. It's weird. Do you know what they call people who live in Squim? What? Squimmers. Five generations of Squimmers. Go and fuck yourself, you <laughs> asshole. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha! That's a Squimmer. <laughs> I know a Squimmer when I see one. <laughs> Mama always said, never trust a gator. Or squimmer. That's what they say. <laughs> and then when they tell us that Lauren had her own style, she didn't want to be like anyone else, she, you know, that's like me. When I discovered crisscross in sixth grade, and I really wanted to wear my pants backwards, and I literally put lines no, in my eye. I, I sure did. You did not put your pants backwards. My parents wouldn't let me, which thank God they didn't, because that probably would not have gone over well. The Mac Dad'll make you jump, jump. Oh, but man. I certainly had lines in my eyebrows, and my parents were like, you're so either stupid or gay or both. Yeah, <laughs> most likely both. Look at my stupid so. gay son. He is so dumb. He is so stupid and gay. <laughs> stupid and gay. Ooh, look at you, so gay, your eyebrows are falling out. And so it was no surprise that her high school years would leave an indelible mark on so many. I mean, some kids are kind of rah-rah kind of kids, but she was more of a leader by example. She just went out every day. She worked really hard. She was a record-breaking athlete. She was idolized by a lot of the younger um, athletes, and she was always willing to help and stay after. It didn't matter if you were the best or the worst. She treated everybody the same. 
She was an athlete. She was a good one. She had like medals and shit. Yeah. She had a lot of school spirit. You know, she was everybody's hype man. Yeah. Which you need that. Oh, yeah. Because let's be real. High school aged kids are stupid. Yeah. Did you hear the eyebrow story from earlier before? <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> Stephanie Lewis was her basketball coach and she doesn't add anything to the conversation, but she's here. And then Isaac, who's another track coach. Yeah. Uh, it seems like an excessive amount of track coaches. It's a who's who of I don't give a fuck. Yeah, there's a lot of track coaches. Yeah. Did you uh, run track? Uh, I didn't, but I was fast. I didn't run track so much as I pranced track. <laughs> uh, I, I saw you searching, searching for the joke. Isaac and Brad ran the track squad Listen. together. Are there any more track coaches? <laughs> Anybody else want to talk about track? So this is when we find out that sadly in the few years leading up to Lauren's disappearance, she started to develop a drug addiction and she struggled. Yeah. She, she really did. So that brings us to Saturday, May 3rd, which is day three. Three yeah. of Lauren missing. No one's heard from her. No. And then Papa Fred says, And I'm starting to think, okay, wait a minute. I really think hey. she would have called somebody. This is doesn't sit well. She, she called, called you. you. She called you, my guy. Yeah. And then Papa Fred like acts like the hero and he's like, so I called the police. Yeah. Good job, Papa Fred. Yeah, look at you like, doing you, things. You could have picked her up. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But, but do they have a medal for that? Yeah. For doing the base like, for the for the minimus. The, what am I saying? The minimus. The minimus. It's twenty four miles away. <laughs> twenty four miles away. Middle of dirts. The middle. Of- <laughs> Hey, sympathies. Listen, when you're in the middle of a game of jets, you're in the middle of a game of jets. Are you a big dart player, Sharon? Are you fucking serious? The yeah. Bra- the Braga Bones are five generations of jet champions in Portsmouth. Wow. What do yeah. you win? Yeah. First of all, bragging rights. Oh, okay. I don't need anything. What do you think? <laughs> I need a trophy? If you do, I have 17 on my fucking fire. <laughs> all along my wall. I have 17 years worth of jet championships. I skipped one in the middle because I had a hip surgery. <laughs> I couldn't compete that year. (laughs) So Connor Daly is here. He is the chief of Port Townsend. He is very uncomfortable. Fred Garrett had called indicating that his daughter, she had not shown up to squim. And he wanted to report her as missing. Fred told the police that Lauren had a history of drug use. He also told the police that he found out from the rehab facility that she was traveling with a check for $55 and only enough cash to get her home. So far, the check had not been cashed. They're like, could you sit and say some words? And they're like, well, she was 23. We're like, we got that. And he's like, and also she was missing. We got that. He just literally repeated it. We learned that Papa Fred found out she had left rehab. She had a $55 check. And we knew the check hadn't been cashed. So. And just enough cash to get home. Right. And so in the meantime, Mama Elena checks Lauren's Facebook to see if there were any posts because Lauren was an avid Facebook user and there was nothing. There was nothing indicating where she might be, where she had gone, where she had been. So now Mama Elena is starting to get concerned by day three. Right. So now they think she's gone and her sister Whitney is here and says she and her boyfriend printed flowers. Flyers. Then Papa Fred goes to the bus depot. You know, the one he didn't, he refused to pick yeah. her up at. Yeah. He's like, well, now I guess I'll go. And he goes, by myself. <laughs> Who are you mad at, bro? I'm by myself. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, how 
brave. I know. Hopper, did you go all by yourself? I know. Good for you. Oh, you're so brave. Are you sweating, sir? Yeah. That's the peak of his audacity yeah. was that statement right there. So then on Monday, May 5th, an employee of the grocery store that Lauren was last seen walking to reported seeing Lauren that morning back at that same store trying to cash a check without a valid ID. So they hear about this. They're like, great. Well, let's pull the security footage. And it wasn't Lauren. No. It was someone very sassy, though. She had her hands on her hips. She did. She was like, Ugh, I wanted to cash that check. So now they're freaking out. They're like, oh, wait, someone has Lauren's check. So something nefarious has happened. No, it, was it just, wasn't. It was just sassy pants trying to She was cash. trying to cash her own check. Is everyone in Port Townsend okay? Yeah. She was like, what do you mean you can't take a suit and ID? Yeah. You can't take my Sam's Club? It's got my picture on it, you <laughs> <laughs> She went zero to <laughs> <laughs> I am leaving this safe way. <laughs> Out of my way. <laughs> and they're like, okay, I guess that wasn't Lauren. It was now a week since anyone had heard from or seen Lauren. For the third day in a row, her mother, Elena, went to Port Townsend to continue searching for her daughter. I just want to start it where they last saw her. That day, Elena's instinct told her to search the park adjacent to the bus stop. We decided we were going to go to Kai Tai Lagoon Park. Well, I don't think we got five minutes in, and I saw a red duffel bag. Instantly, Elena knew it was Lauren's. So she walks to this park. She sees this red duffel bag with a bunch of clothes and stuff, and she's like, that looks like Lauren's. It's probably evidence. I was like, okay. Yeah. Uh, okay, well. Mariska Harkatai, take a seat. <laughs> So they process the bag and they make that area a crime scene. Well, she at, calls the police right, and they do she, that. Right. She calls the police and they do that. And then Papa Fred is saying through tears, you know, Mama Elena called and they said that they found the bag and he went as fast as he could to Port Townsend. I was like, okay, which is what you should have done a week ago <laughs> when you had the opportunity yeah. to drive 24 miles to pick up your daughter. So they go through the red duffel bag. It is indeed Lauren's, and it's filled with letters and pictures from, well, her stint at rehab, things that, like, they felt like, well, she wouldn't just throw this away. And so now they're like, well, wait, was she abducted? Mm -hmm. So they're searching the area, and the local news picks up the story, and they start getting Lauren's case out there for the public. Right. Now, in processing the duffel bag, they find a Safeway receipt in her bag. It's always the receipts. So they go to the security footage of the Safeway. You know, the Safeway that Papa Fred couldn't pick her up yep. at. Anyway, I just, just remind yep. her. No, that's good. Um, and they go to the timestamp to find Lauren. And it's her. And she's in the liquor aisle. Yeah. And she's got a pint of vodka and one little can of soda. Yeah, it's it's really sad. So you, now the family's like, okay. And this was at 8.04. That was about half an hour after she called Papa Fred to pick her up. And he was like, catch the bus. She's like, okay. So sadly, they're thinking, okay, she has relapsed. And maybe something on top of that has happened to her. Right. So now we are at Thursday, May 15th. Tons of people have been searching the Kai Tai Park. Now there is an extensive grid search of the park. And sadly, that search yields no new information. And this is where we learn that everyone in the small town knew Lauren. And they said she had a lot of opportunities. We spoke that yeah. she was a really good athlete. And 
And those things could have taken her someplace, but she really wanted to change the world. She wanted to make the world a better place. And she was going to teach art to disabled children in Arizona. So before she left for that adventure, (laughs) Mama Elena decided to write her a poem. Sorry, a powerful message. She says it's a powerful message. Now, let me give this disclaimer. Anybody who chooses to express themselves in any kind of artistic way, I love artistic expression. I respect artistic expression. But (laughs) this poem, well, first of all, it's in like... 10 Helvetica font. (laughs) It takes up an inch and a half of the paper. It sure does. It is just this little thing, and it's called Untitled As Yet. That's the name of the poem. As yet? As yet. Should it be as of yet? I don't know. So they show us the poem on the screen. Beautiful girl with my slight resemble of once upon a time long ago. Now, she only says... The first sentence, I believe, because she read the whole sentence and it's like word soup. (laughs) And ID was like, I don't know what that means. (laughs) Let's just put it on the screen so that people can read it at their leisure. Yeah, if they want to pause it. If they want to pause it and read it. (laughs) I did. This is what it says. Read it. So it says like beautiful girl, the thing she said in the voiceover and it said searching hungrily for her space, universally testing and voracious on tarnished, brilliant green eyes hold copious dreams expecting. That's one word. That's one sentence. Oh, that's one sentence. I feel like ID read it and they're like, yeah, you're going to have to ballpark that for us. <laughs> I, I don't. First you said she had brown eyes. Then you said she had green eyes. Yeah. I don't. Yeah, that's it. That's a bad poem. No. Right. That's a bad poem. Yeah. They're like, how about we pull out some Mad Libs? <laughs> you just give us some nouns and verbs. We'll fill that. We'll just use that. OK, let's start. Go ahead. Give us a noun. <laughs> Mama Elena's like, I. after this experience, I'm going to publish a book of poetry, I think. I think I'm going to do poetry. <laughs> Don't do poetry. Yeah. Elena Wordsworth. You'll see why she's trash later. Don't worry. Yeah. I'm, I'm okay in my attack of her. Yes. Also, that poem was horrible. Since over two weeks have passed and Lauren's family is no closer to finding her, they have agreed to let private investigator Gary Miko a former New Jersey detective specializing in missing persons, come to Washington to take a closer look at Lauren's case. Gary has traveled across the country to see if he can make sense out of this mystery. Bottom line is you have to follow the evidence. You have to follow, um, you know, what you know, what you can prove. So then on Friday, May 16th, (laughs) which is day 16 of Lauren missing, the family hires a private investigator named Gary Miko, who was once a New Jersey detective oh. with a specialty in missing persons. It is physically and emotionally impossible to underestimate Gary Miko. This man, for sure, wears a Tommy Bahama shirt in his Bumble profile, and he is holding <laughs> several fish. He's holding, like, one in each hand. <laughs> it's not that Gary Miko does anything, like, wrong. He just doesn't do anything right. You know well, what I mean? Gary Miko is no nonsense. He... And I know this because he goes through life in very thick Ray-Bans that he's wearing now. 
Y'all, <laughs> he says, Gary looks like an extra in the Matrix reboot that we never asked for, except it takes place at a support group meeting for people experiencing a midlife crisis. So That's good. what it looks like. It's so peaked in high school. Also, it is rainy and overcast. My guy, take those sunglasses off. I cannot physically do this today. Gary Miko, we did the live show, but there's so much of this episode that we did get to cover. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. There's so many parts that we like had to leave out. But like, first of all, insert any New Jersey joke here. You fall into all of them, Gary yeah. Miko. Yeah. Anyway, but he gives us a remedial lesson in finding missing people. Yeah. He enlightens us with the information about how to be an investigator. So if everyone can just grab a pen yeah. and wait, let paper me grab it. or get your notes app, I'll wait. Okay. He said... Bottom line is you have to follow the evidence. You have to follow, um, you know, what you know, what you can prove. Follow the evidence. So... Is that it? Yeah. That, oh, okay. Yeah, just follow... I think I didn't even need to write that down. Yeah, because... For one second, I thought if you see the evidence, you ignore it, but it turns out you follow it. Hey, that's evidence. Yeah. I'm a detective. Yeah. Well, Gary heads to Kai Tai Park to search the area for evidence. And uh, that's he goes to where the red duffel bag was found. Mm-hmm. And there he finds some empty beer cans and cigarette butts. So Gary's like, well, she spent the night here. And the clues stop here. So I'm just going to say she spent the night here. I was like, or some kids had beers and cigarettes in the park. Yeah. And then he said that. She had two duffel bags. One was missing and one was left behind. How did that happen? Is that other duffel bag? Gary, Gary, she didn't take the duffel bag with her. And there's well, cigarettes. she took the other one with her. Yeah. One is missing. Yeah. How did that happen? She must have been abducted by aliens. Ali- and goodbye. Do you know everybody. I was literally about to say that? Too similar. <laughs> um, Do you know that somebody else, I know, I should say this. Tell them. Somebody created a TikTok account called Misty456. I just I- want to say to you, we love you. But do you know that somebody left a review? I had to look. Why do you look at reviews? I know, that said, and also the way that they keep, leave Misty456 alone. No. I'm dead ass serious. It is up. Somebody said, it's just so rude. Like, leave Misty4. It's, four... it's a throwback. Misty456 doesn't exist. <laughs> it's a gag. She doesn't exist. Certainly there was somebody who was saying that we were too similar, but like, there is no Misty 456. Go and fuck yourself. You clearly want to hate us, so go tell your therapist. Why do you read reviews? This world is so painful know. as it is. I don't is. know. I don't always do it, but like every once in a while I'll go and I'll be like, surely by now everyone's leaving beautiful reviews. Nope. Someone was like, and Misty 456 <laughs> deserves respect. Can you imagine someone with a sign outside the office? <laughs> Justice for Misty. Justice for Misty. <laughs> Why do you care, babe? Yeah, yeah. Why do you care? The limit doesn't exist, and neither does Misty456. Oh, but thank God. you for your contributions. <laughs> um, so Gary then says... The intent of Lauren Garrett to come home upon departing rehab, whatever the plan was, it abruptly changed. That's what's odd. You figured it'd be from A to B to C. It went from A to B, and then poof. Something changed. Gary's full of great information. He says, whatever the plan was for after rehab, it abruptly changed. 
And I believe it was Maya Angelou who said, duh. <laughs> you abandoned your kid at a fucking bus stop, dude, on like, her way home from rehab. Yeah. And then he said, you think oh it would have gone from A to B to C? And then he gets off because I don't think he remembers where his story is going, but he has to finish it. He goes, and then it, and then it changed to A to B to poof. <laughs> Can I take that again? They're like, no, sorry. Yeah, we no. don't have the time. Can we, we got, get a t-shirt that yeah. says I took it from A to B to poof? Except the poof is a homosexual. A to B to poof. Poof. Isn't puff, is it English or is it Australian for gay? Yeah, both. Yeah. yeah. I've been taking it from A to B to poof my whole life, okay? Okay. That was a gay joke. Okay. <laughs> So now Gary the PI uh, meets, and I use that term loosely, meets up with Dad Fred where he gets the details of Lauren's life. At age 19, soon after Lauren left home to pursue the volunteer teaching position in Arizona, her parents learned that the job fell through. I think that was disappointing to her because, you know, she always had wanted to, you know, grow up and go somewhere and do something. And so, you know, waylaying that dream kind of was frustrating to her. Lauren returned to Squim a few months later. Her parents say that she was hanging out with a group of young people known to use narcotics. She was really naive about what she was getting herself into. And she started hanging out with people who were using drugs. And things began to change quickly for yeah. her. So later that year, it's 2012, her and her best friend Maggie had decided that they were going to live in Seattle. And they were just being kids. You know, when you're a kid, you're like, I'll figure it out. Yeah. You got a bunch of wild ideas. I'll stay on this person's couch. I'll do this. We'll figure it out. But they actually ended up homeless and they were in a place called Shoreline, which had a lot of people that were also experiencing homelessness at the same time. Yeah. And they did that for a while. And Maggie is here telling her, you know, it's, it sounds like fun and adventurous. And then it's not so much like an adventure yeah. anymore. And it's hard. And it's in they struggled. And they were not doing well. Can I just tell you, growing up in New Orleans, I knew I needed to get out of there. Mm -hmm. I knew that eventually I was working at a, in restaurants and it's a party life. And I knew I needed to get out of there and I knew that I needed to leave because I knew that I was headed for a road that was dark. Mm -hmm. And I came to New York, but I was lucky. Oh, first I went to LA, that didn't work out. But I moved to New York with like maybe $600 mm -hmm. and I slept on a friend's couch and I was lucky, but really like, I was just like them thinking, it'll all work out, yep. it'll all be fine. I I had no idea how hard I would struggle for the next few years. Yeah. And I can't imagine trying to do that while battling a drug addiction. Right. You know? Yeah. And then, in the summer of 2013, Lauren hit rock bottom and reached out to her mother for help. I went and picked her up, and um, it was eye-opening because she'd been living um, in a stairwell with a blanket. And so, <laughs> that was tough. Unable to cope with her daughter's drug habits, Elena made arrangements for Lauren to live with her father, Fred, in December of 2013. Lauren does a really brave thing, and she reached out to her mom for help. And so Mama Elena went to Seattle and picked her up. And then Mama Elena says she wasn't in a place to take care of her. I felt like we didn't get the whole story there. Yeah, she said, I didn't know the best way to help Lauren, so she was like... 
uh, you should just go live with your dad, Fred. But it didn't seem like she wanted to live with Papa Fred either. It seemed like she had no options. And then Papa Fred was like, I love you to death. You have two options. Go to rehab or go back on the street. Yeah. Ultimatums don't really work. You know, I feel like... Pushing someone into treatment when they're absolutely not ready rarely ever works out well. I don't want to make a broad statement, but I do feel like an ultimatum forcing someone into that decision isn't going to end the way you think it is if they don't feel like they're emotionally in a place to seek treatment. Agreed. You know, the the decision has to be yours. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've had friends and family members who have battled addiction and I've seen them go through it and I've seen it. I've seen it with my own two eyes when somebody was forced to do it versus when they were like, no, this is my journey. Yeah, now. I'm this is what I control. have to do. So Mama Elena not really wanting her. Again, I, I don't feel like we're getting the whole story. She said she couldn't handle it, not wanting her. Who knows? They could have been at odds. There could well, have been a contentious relationship. We don't get the full story, no. I'm saying. And then Papa Fred being like, love you, mean it, go to rehab again darts on Wednesdays. That's not happening. Yeah. And she was sober for the two months leading up to going to rehab because she was waiting for a bed. So when she did go to rehab and then she came out of it, that means that she had been sober for four months. That's a long time to be sober. Yeah. But now they they have no idea where she is. And everyone is confused. Even best friend Maggie hadn't heard from her. Yeah. And so Papa Fred was like, the further into this we go... We feel like it's foul play. So something that we should note about this special is this is all happening in real time. Yeah. This isn't people telling stories about something that happened. Like Gary Miko is there looking at beer cans and cigarette butts and calling it a campsite. And so all of this is happening in real time. So it's a special because it's a little bit different than the normal episode of Disappeared. So they get this tip. And it's from someone who lives in Shoreline, someone that had been in contact with Lauren. And bonus dad Brett was like, here, let me, uh, let me check it. Let me check it. Yeah. I'm going to take it from here. The witness told Brett on the phone and through text that he and Lauren spoke about rehab. And he had told me that he was a little hesitant in speaking with her father. And I told him that I was in recovery as well. And he opened up. Brett is a recovering addict, and he's familiar with the drug scene in Shoreline. He feels that his experience might help them all get closer to Lauren if she has relapsed. And this guy told Brett that he and Lauren had spoken about rehab. He was able to confirm that it was, right. in and fact, Lauren. So Brett shows this to Gary Miko, you know, star of New Jersey. And then Gary says they realized they could take the bull by the horns or jump off the couch and do it themselves. Just quick question, just, yeah. just to Gary. Gary, what, and, and, I, and I mean this with the utmost sincerity, <laughs> The fuck <laughs> are you talking about? <laughs> he literally was like, we could get up and do something or we could get up and do something. And then bulls and horns and cut. Can I do that again? I just I feel like I, I feel like I knew what I was going to say. And they're like, we can't do it again. Does anybody have that Mad Lib magazine yeah, again? We can we? <laughs> can I see your poetry? <laughs> Give me your poetry really fast. I have no, is everyone okay in squim? Oh. I, are those metaphors? I have no idea. And then Gary goes, that sounds like a plan. <laughs> <laughs> What's the plan? 
black out for a second? <laughs> so the plan is for them to go down to the shoreline area and search for Lauren themselves. So on Sunday, May 18th, 2014, they all head down together. And so they're making a game plan for when they actually physically find her. Yeah. Gary's got this under control. Yeah. Because he's got Ray-Bans. <laughs> so. And a midlife crisis. <laughs> so Driving him. He was like, now It drives we- him every day. Every morning he wakes up, he's like, I'm in the middle of my life. Yeah. But I'm going to solve a case today. He's like, I'm going to wear it's black. make me feel like a man. And Ray-Bans. I am a man. And. I am the man. So <laughs> Gary goes, when we find her, let's not turn this into an episode of Cops. Remember that for later. So they start walking around, approaching these people. They, you know, they're handing out flyers and Mama Elena start bickering. She's like, ask the bus driver. He's like, I am. I love it when people fight in public. <laughs> I hate it. Oh, I love it. It makes I'm, me so uncomfortable. I'm like, can you talk louder? I can't hear you at the Chevys. So bonus dad, Brett, <laughs> who's sponsored by Ed Hardy, he gets really excited and starts like running after people on the street. Like this is the most aggressive flyer campaign we have ever seen. Remember the cops thing? Yeah, it goes zero to cops. Scary Miko's loving this shit. Papa Brett is running after people with flyers. And it continues to be one of the most awkward flyer expeditions there has ever been. Yeah. And also like some of the things that the people they interact with say to them. Like a guy said, a guy said to Elena, well, I hope she's not dead. Everything about it is very awkward. Brett meets up with Elena at the park and the two decide it's time to move on to another location. Her stepfather, Brett, knew the area quite well. And he had mentioned a motel that she had stayed at previously. He wanted to stop by that motel in the off chance that she was staying there, had been staying there. Brett and Gary visit the manager's office. Hello. While Elena questions the motel's guests. And just when they are about to leave empty-handed, a man comes forward with some information. And so when they get there, they spread out. Stepdad Brett and P.I. Gary, I'm going to, I think his first name might be P.I., go to the front desk to chat with the manager. Mama Elena grabs some flyers and she's walking around talking to hotel guests. Right. <laughs> Meanwhile, Mama Elena and Brett are now holding hands. She's like, hold my hand. The cameras, hold my hand. The cameras are, the cameras are on. on. Jesus. Just hold my hand. <laughs> So there's this random man lingering outside to the office door and they give him a flyer and he's like, I don't want my face on camera, but I know who that is. Yeah. And he said, uh, I work at the motel and Lauren and another man came out of their room one day and he said that the smell that followed them was very distinct. He's like, it was like that of drugs. And he said it was positive it was Lauren. And it was only four days ago. Yeah. And then they're like, Lauren's parents have missed her by four days. It like, was so fucking weird. I was like, okay. Yeah, it was, it was a lot of time. Yeah. <laughs> no, they didn't miss her by four minutes. Y'all good? Yeah. We know what four days are. Yeah. So they ask around the area. It's a kind of an area that has like a strip of motels. There's a lot of similar motels. So they just keep asking around all the motels in the area. And besides that man who 
absolutely positively said he identified Lauren. There are no leads. Yeah. So they go to a nearby park where young people who are experiencing homelessness are known to hang out as well as sleep. And they pull into the parking lot when they get a phone call from dad, Fred, back in Squim. Yeah. And he's like, listen, I got a call from a girl yesterday. And this girl saw a poster and confirmed that Lauren is alive and she is in Shoreline. So that's three confirmed sightings of Lauren. So they report all those sightings to the Port Townsend police. And the police are like, okay, so I feel like we're going to call this off. It seems like she's just pissed at you guys. Yeah, we're going to scale way back. Yeah, I don't. I don't think she's missing anymore. Yeah. Yeah, Maybe we can send all of this help to Allie Lowitzer's mother. Truly. Because I don't think your daughter is missing. Nope. Also, Gary's going back to Jersey, y'all. Yeah. Gary has done all he can do. Uh, and um, Not before he steals the little shampoos and conditioners. <laughs> Getting those, he's like packing them in his arm. I'm not leaving these. I'm the, I paid no, for these. No. Yeah. So then we're back with Connor Daly, that chief that you didn't even remember seeing. No. And he is basically saying what we just said. He's like, she doesn't want to talk to her family. It right. seems like she wanted That's to go crime. missing on purpose. And there is a guy in the background behind Chief, what's his toes? Chief uh-huh. Connor. And he realizes an interview is happening and he goes through like all the stages of grief. <laughs> like right in front, he's really? like, I- is there an interview? Oh, God, I think. Okay, if I freeze, then it. <laughs> I'm I still a got, there's, I'm a yeah, yeah, now. he's like, I'll freeze. And then he's like, <laughs> okay, no, I'm going to move slowly so I don't distract <laughs> him. Okay, I'm going to go out of frame. I'm going to go out of frame. Did you not see that? No, I missed oh, it. Oh, it was so. Perfect. I didn't pay attention to that guy because he didn't say fuck all before. Yeah, but you got to find the funny around I know, it. you're right. It's just. I'm sorry, was, I dropped the ball. It was, yeah. Well, it's, shut up. I know. I, I carry the podcast. Well, well, you carry the podcast. You carry it right on out of here. <laughs> I will. It's all done. <laughs> so three weeks later, we, we find out that Mama Elena and stepdad Brett have been making several trips back to Shoreline and Port Townsend. And they're like, well, if she's experiencing homelessness, we should chat with other people in that same situation, hand out flyers. And I thought this was very smart. This is a really smart. A lot of the people in that arena... People don't care about them. You know, they're homeless or they're drug addicted or they're alcoholics. And and so I thought, you know what? What we need to do is we're going to make some bag lunches and I will post her flyer like a milk carton on them and we'll hand them out. They packed lunches mm-hmm. and cigarettes mm-hmm. and other things and they attached flyers to all of them. Yeah. I mean, I could do without the cigarettes, but like the bagged lunches and all that, that was smart. Yeah. Really, really smart. So 34 days have passed. I'm just sitting at home, and I get a phone call from my little brother. I said, hey, so-and-so saw Lauren. Fred's brother said a woman he knew believed she interacted with Lauren at a department store where she worked in Shoreline. And then I get a call from the Port Townsend detective. He says, we got a still shot. I'm going to email it to you. As soon as I opened up the email, I was like, wow, yeah. That's Lauren. There's no doubt in my mind that's Lauren. A detective was able to pull a still from security footage, and the family was able to confirm that it was her. And she was trying to return something for cash with a fake ID. Right. And the teller was like, you're missing. Yeah, your parents are looking for you. And she's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know. I called them today. 
And they're like, no, I think you're missing. She's like, no, 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 no. I talk to them all the time. It's fine. So they know for absolute certain that it's no longer a bunch of people. They saw her with their own two eyes. She is alive. And this probably is not the way to get her home. And so you know how in every episode they're like, I mean, if someone wants to go missing, they're allowed to. Well, this is it. Yeah. This is this is your one time out of hundreds and hundreds, Lauren Garrett. Yeah. I mean, it's really, really sad. Addiction is so insidious for so many reasons. But the truth is, is that you can't drag someone against their will yeah. to, you know, back home. You just you can't do it. And. You know, I would be interested. It it just felt like there was a lot in this episode that we did not get about the family specifically. I would love to talk to Lauren. I would love to talk to Lauren. And so the family's like, we kind of have to let go looking for her. Yeah. And her sister seemed really actually very, very sweet. Her sister at the end was crying. She's a beekeeper, by the way. Yeah. How do you learn how to be a beekeeper? Not easily. Trial and error? Probably pretty painful. Oof. And that is- Why you think I got all those bee stings in my titties? (laughs) First of all, I hate beekeepers. I don't like those stupid, funny-looking hats they wear. They're fucking stupid. They, okay? They're very important jobs. I don't care. You bees know are, we need bees. You know, I don't give a shit about bees. And you know how much space a beekeeper takes with those stupid fucking hats when they're walking down the convenience aisle? We could... Knock over all my cheeses out and pick them up, and they think that they're something special because they keep bees. We could throw off the whole circle of life if bees were to go away. And I could pick you up and throw your whole ass off a cliff. Because I'm strong. So. Do you ever bring it down to like a five or a six? I'm at a two right now. Okay. Anyway, I hate beekeepers. That's what I came here to say. Okay, I'm so glad you did. It's important information, Bobby Lynn. Well, you're welcome. You can take a sprite and go. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) So that is where the episode ends. We do learn on the show via on-screen text that she came home five weeks later So that whole TV show is made for nothing. She willingly came home and she entered jug rehab October 18th, 2014, which is very, very great. I hope someone picked her up. But of course, we know that she was dealing with something very serious that we never take lightly. No one came and picked her up. But if you are in need of any kind of assistance, just remember that the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration helpline is 24 7 365 it is absolutely confidential and they specialize in individuals and families that are facing mental or substance use disorders so please please if you need help please call 1-800-662-HELP that's 1-800-662-4357 and if you think your situation is impossible and you can't come back from it you can. Yes. I promise you, you can. Absolutely. So here's the thing. We normally, we never talk this way about these kinds of cases or these kinds of people, but Ellen's got some details as to why they're kind of not great people. Here's the rest on Lauren's family. Elena and Brett embezzled $1.2 million from an associate that they did business with. What? Yeah. And she pleaded guilty. Elena Christensen pleaded guilty to second-degree theft. And 
it was the owner of the company that she worked for, and she was sentenced to 45 days and restitution. She had to pay all that money back. That's a lot of money. That is a lot of money. But it is true. I would love to talk to Lauren. I feel like we got these parents that might have been a little bit too late. Yeah. You know... It felt very one-sided to me, didn't it? Yeah, it did, because we Lauren's not here. She yeah. didn't get to say what happened. I would want to hear her side. I think that not coming to pick a family member up after such a challenging amount of time speaks volumes about family dynamics. Yeah. Or friend. Well, and the fact that even, you know, Elena was like, I mean, I didn't really worry about it. I thought yeah. she would be fine. She would be fine. Your kid just spent two months yeah. in rehab. That, it really does. It does upset me. I, Lauren, if you are listening, I would love to talk to you. Slide into my DMs. But until then, Mama Elena and uh, Stepdad Brett, you have some skeletons in your closet. Say something funny. Well, can I ask you something about P.I., Gary the P.I.? Mm-hmm. Do you think he wears his sunglasses at night so I can, so I can? <laughs> he he is the Ace Ventura of P.I.'s. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Follow the evidence. Fall off the couch. A to B to poof. <laughs> bow, 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 But we do hope she is okay. I hope she, I really, really do. I really, really hope she is okay. And I'm okay. sorry you didn't get the support you needed when you needed it. Yeah, it kind of sucks. And that was really fun to do with you because there was so much that we didn't cover in the live show. But we hope wherever you are, you are having a jolly holly holiday. We hope, <laughs> what? It's a, a jolly holly holiday. Uh, we can't wait to see you on tour. And uh, join the Patreon if you haven't already. Please follow us on socials. Please join our TikTok. We added another night in Chicago. Yep. That's all. (laughs) Please uh, follow us on social media, The Disappeared Pod. I'm at Ellen Marsh. Joey is at It's Joey Taranto. You can also follow us on Instagram, on TikTok, on Twitter. Join our Facebook group. Now, it is not the one that you find publicly. It is the one that you have to join, and it is called The The Obsessed Obsessed with with Disappeared Podcast. The Obsessed with Disappeared podcast discussion group. I'm not doing this. Did I do it right? I'm not doing it. Yeah, but you fuck it up all the time. It's honestly. It's a lot of words. It's just, it's not. But please join us there. We love to see you. We love to hear from you. And we love you so much. We can't wait to see you. We love you so much. See you soon. I love you too, Yellen. Love you, down bitches. Love you. Bye. No, will they find a duffel bag? They find another blue duffel bag, but it's but not But it doesn't belong her, to her, right. There's just, like, duffel bags scattered all over yeah. the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> They're like, if you just, just find it, if you, you need a hanky, just yeah. check one of those duffel bags. <laughs> Our parks are famous for their duffel bags. What was the, the name of your league? The league, the entire league. No, what was the name of your team? Sorry. Oh, Fratchnet Jets. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it was a family name for our generation. Did you say but, farts, not darts? I said Fratchnet Jets. <laughs> My great, my great, 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 great uncle O'Shaughnessy <laughs> thought of it, and it's been in the it's been in the family for generations. Wow, it's a family name. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. But they said Lauren danced to the beat of her own drummer, and at least they didn't call her a free spirit. <laughs> points for that. Um, and that drummer was Animal from the Muppets. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, so where the fuck are Copious we? Dreams, expectant, voracious. Can I use all those words in one sentence? Yeah. I feel like I can. 